Cue the fancy intro music. This is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom gives you the tips, tools, and resources you need to define and achieve success on your own terms, so you can make great money doing what you love and have the time and freedom to enjoy it. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lisa Robin Young. Let's get started. Firstly, this is the last episode of season six, and I'm ready to celebrate. (laughs) It's only taken us a year to get here, (laughs) and I've learned a ton about myself and this work during the 17 episodes that made up the year that was season six. Well, doesn't that sound confusing? Whew. Anywho, we are taking next week off to put the final touches on the release of season seven, starting in May. Thought it was a good time to take some time off also because I'm prepping all week for the workshop that I'm leading next Friday. So there's that. Be on the lookout for some new show elements, some updated branding, and as I've said before, a focused intention on helping you become the celebrity in your niche. So if things look a little different in a couple of weeks, that's what's going on. If you hop on Instagram and type business coach in the search bar, you're going to get tons of search results, millions upon millions of posts and folks who are touting their coaching skills and abilities. And a lot of these folks, though, aren't really coaches. They're espousing a lifestyle business and shouting, if I can do it, so can you let me show you how for the low, low price of umpteen squajillion dollars. Now, my friend is not coaching. It's mentoring, I guess, but I'd be suspicious of even that, to be frank. A business coach is a person that can help guide you to find your right way in a business. It's not about a cookie cutter approach. Coaching is meant to help you become a better decision maker, whether that's coaching for sports, business, or life. It's not about being directive and telling you what to do so much as helping you sift through what's going on so that you have clarity to make more confident decisions for yourself. And I've been a business coach for coming up on 20 years now, and I've helped thousands of people find their right way to making a profitable, sustainable business that doesn't have to rely on hustling and doing all the things to keep your nose above water. In that time, I've learned the difference between coaching, consulting, mentoring, teaching, training. I can be any or all of those things depending on what my client needs. And that's why I did an episode last year about the 14 questions to ask before hiring a business coach. And I'll put a link to those in the show notes so that you can go back and take a look at those if you haven't already. Now, that episode was designed to help you know what to ask when you think you're ready to hire a business coach, and it breaks down the differences between coach, mentor, consultant, trainer, and teacher. They're not the same, and it's important to know what you're looking for to make sure that you get a good fit. I've also found that folks don't always know what they need. They've hit a wall, they're feeling stuck, and they've heard that somebody hired a so-called business coach and that seemed to help them, so that's what they look for. Sally hired a business coach to help her with her Instagram, so that's what I'm going to do. Not so fast, Pilgrim. Firstly, I question whether or not that was really even coaching, but that's beside the point. Let's assume that it was Instagram coaching and not Instagram training or consulting. Coaching, for Instagram or anywhere else, 
is not a magic pill that cures all the ills. In fact, many of my clients will recount the times they've sat with me and cried or told me to F the F off because they didn't like the hard truth that they were facing in the moment. Truths that they ultimately had to face if they wanted to move forward. So you've got to be ready for coaching. If you're still standing around wanting someone to tell you what to do or be your boss, then that's not what coaches do. In order to know whether or not a business coach is your right next step, these four things must be true. You got to be coachable. You got to have a budget. You got to be clear on your goals and you got to be willing to invest your resources. There, I didn't bury the lead for you today. This is what we're covering in this week's episode. How to know if you're really ready for a coach by looking at these four truths. Your free downloadable this week is one part checklist and one part reflection guide to help you determine if you're really ready to step into hiring a coach. You can pop over to createafreedomshow.com, click the Rising Tide link, download your copy now. And if you're not already registered, you're going to want to take a minute to do that first. It's free, 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 free. So this is my little gift to you. This is season six, episode 17, the last one of the season, and your guide is waiting for you there. Number one, first, you got to be coachable. (laughs) But what does that really mean? The first thing I tell potential coaching clients is that my job is to create a safe space for you and hold up a mirror to you and your business. And if you're not willing to look in that mirror and see what you might be missing, and if you're not willing to be wrong or to do things differently than you're used to doing, then perhaps a business coach is not your logical next step. I'm going to look to see if you're open to suggestion or criticism about your ideas and plans. Are you willing to be wrong? Because what you've been doing may not be working and you have to be willing to see the truth of that and maybe try something new or different, something out of your comfort zone. You've also heard me talk about ruthless honesty and the importance of seeing the real truth without judgment. You've got to drop the judgment and just see things as they are without the good and bad labels. Sure, you may have feels about a situation. I get that. That's normal. But you also have to be willing to detach yourself from those emotions during a coaching session to be able to see what's really there. And that's what I mean by being ruthlessly honest with yourself. I don't mean being mean to yourself. I mean just seeing what's really there. And here's the corollary to that. Vulnerability. When you're working with a coach, you're going to dig into some tender spots. Old stories, disempowering beliefs, thought patterns you may have been clinging to for decades. Identifying yourself by your results instead of recognizing the inherent value you have just for being a human being and sucking air on planet Earth? Are you willing to be vulnerable with your coach and share your truth even if it's difficult? It's my job to create a space of safety so that you feel like you can be vulnerable. But if you don't step into that space and actually get vulnerable, we're only scratching the surface level dirt off your life and work. The kind of coaching I do touches all the aspects of you, life and work. That context matters when you're a creative entrepreneur. Stuff in your personal life impacts your business. Stuff in your business impacts your personal life. Don't believe me? Let me call your attention to the slap hurled around the world recently. When Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, there were all kinds of repercussions that impacted both his personal life and 
his business, banned from the academy functions for 10 years. That's a significant penalty from the industry that makes his half a billion dollar empire possible. And I'm not here to debate or argue what happened. We've all got our opinions and I've heard plenty of them, but you can't deny the impact that it's had on Will's personal and professional lives. And that's what I mean by the personal and the professional are intertwined when you're a creative entrepreneur. So to me, it's important to recognize that and work with all of it as a coach. But here's another thing to remember. Being coachable doesn't mean that you can't push back. In fact, if you're ready for a business coach, then that means that you can stand your ground as well. Being coachable doesn't equate to being a doormat. You have to know and honor your values and boundaries, especially in a coaching relationship. Otherwise, it's easy for that relationship to become directive, where your coach starts telling you what to do instead of having a dialogue with you about what's going on, what's going to serve you and your company best. You have to be able to ask questions about things that you need clarification on, things you're not sure about, or things that you're downright scared about, so that your coach can see those things and explore where the resistance is and why those fears and thoughts are coming up. If you can't handle gentle confrontation, if you buckle when an authority figure questions you, then you probably need some therapy first. And I'm not being flippant about that. I truly believe that if you struggle with boundaries, that's a therapeutic imperative. You have to be able to push back, clarify, and stand your ground when needed. We're not mind readers. I mean, we ask strong questions as coaches and we can give it spicy sometimes. But if you can't speak up for yourself in moments like that, you might feel attacked, or you may want to hide at the very time you need to be standing tall and calling the shots. When I was working on my first book, I reached out to an established book coach and told them I wanted to write The Secret Watch as a business parable. And she cautioned me against doing it. She said, oh, I don't know. That's the hardest kind of book to write and do well. And since this was my first book, she strongly advised that I write a how-to book instead, since those were much easier, probably have less difficulty getting it sold, etc. So here's this coach who clearly knows her stuff. She's helped launch a bunch of Wall Street Journal and New York Times bestsellers into the world. It would be easy for me to say, mm, okay, well, clearly you know more about this than I do. So I guess I'll go back to the drawing board and figure out how to turn this book into a how-to book. But then... If I'd done that, I wouldn't have had the thousands of sales that I've had for The Secret Watch. I wouldn't have spoken on all the stages that I have. I wouldn't have been invited to speak and I wouldn't have the rave reviews for the story of this book or a producer who's interested in turning it into a movie. You don't turn how-to books into movies, folks. You just don't. Instead, I listened to her input, I took it under advisement, and I kept the parts that worked for me. I told her I was already clear that this is the path that I wanted to take because the story was so clear to me and it was practically written already. So she suggested that I read a few parables to get a feel for how they're done. Well, heck, I had already interviewed Bob Berg and John Gordon, two of the most well-known writers in this genre. They do business parables like all day long. And Bob even eventually agreed to write a cover endorsement for the book once he had a chance to read the manuscript. I mean, he actually read it and liked it enough to tell the world. That was all I needed to know that I was on the right path. I didn't need her telling me this is not going to be a successful book. So no, your coach won't always have all the information. They won't be right all the time. They won't be able to read your mind. And sometimes, especially if you're chaotic, you'll have emotional reasons for sticking to your guns on something 
And a good coach will point out where you're being stubborn, but it's not their job to persuade you. It wasn't her job to persuade me, no, don't do this, write a how-to book. It was her job as a coach to say, well, if this is the kind of book you want to write, these are the things that you need to do or be thinking about if you want to be having success at that. A good coach will point out where you're being stubborn, but it's not their job to persuade you. It's their job to help you get where you want to be based on your goals. And if your goals involve not writing a how-to book, then it's their job to keep you on the path you set for yourself, whether or not that's the fastest or easiest route to get you where you're going. Consultants are the folks who tell you what to do. And sometimes coaches offer some consultative, more directive kinds of advice. But if you're not willing to make decisions, or you just want somebody else to figure it out for you, then you're not ready for a coach. But if you've reached a point in your business where you know that something's got to give and you need that third party input to tell you what's what, but also to guide you to making decisions based on your business and your best interests, then making the investment to hire a business coach might be right for you. And in line with making that investment, you got to have a budget. Now, I'm not talking millions of cold, hard cash in the bank. I'm talking about a plan for and money available to make this higher. That's number two. You got to have a budget. I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard people say, you're too expensive or I can't afford you. Expensive compared to what? (laughs) I might be more than you're ready or able to invest in at the moment, but that doesn't make me expensive. That's a judgment, not a truth. I'm not offering $10 advice here. I'm creating an environment of trust. I'm offering up decades of insights and knowledge to help shorten your learning curve, to help you make more confident decisions, to have a business that makes you great money doing what you love so that you can be a household name in your industry. And I'm actually pretty damn affordable for the work that I do. And my ROI is clear. I sat down with a total stranger and in less than 30 minutes, looked at his business model, suggested some tweaks, he made some decisions, and $15,000 later that same day, he was smiling and a happy camper. If that's not worth 15%, I can't help you. Incidentally, I'm leading the Cashflow Creator Workshop next week. I mentioned it earlier, so I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Join us there if you need help finding out where the real money is at in your business. When I was first working with direct sellers, I charged $500 an hour for my coaching and I got it. You know, I was one of the highest paid coaches in the market at that time. And my positioning on that point was in telling folks that they needed to believe that their time was worth at least $500 an hour if they wanted to be one of the top income earners in their company. They just had to think differently about their time if it was really being valued at $500 an hour because that's what the top income earners in their company were making easily. And if I told my potential clients that they needed to value their time as worth at least $500 an hour, you can be darn sure that I was charging $500 an hour. Why would I charge any less? If you're not ready to pay someone the kind of money that you expect someone else to pay you for your great work, then you're not ready. And there's a difference between ready and able. You may not be able to afford a $500 an hour coach right now but you can afford someone that charges $100. Okay, that's clarity right there. There was a time when I wasn't able to hire a coach at that level. We're often ready long before we're able though. And it's the readiness that's key. 
So if $500 an hour feels out of reach for you, that's cool. But whatever you're hoping to accomplish, you need to have a budget in mind and you need to be thinking about what kind of an investment you can commit to making as well as the kind of return on that investment that you're hoping to get. And I'll talk more about that in a bit. There are two reasons though for having clarity on your budget. One is that whole thing about being ready before you're able. You need to practice honoring your boundaries and sticking to your guns with the investment that you're making. It is so easy to get wooed at an event or a workshop where a slick marketer is trying to upsell you into their year-long program. They'll sometimes even say, you got so much out of this. Imagine how much better it'll be if you get me for a whole year. Woo, well, hold it. Back up the truck for a minute here. Check your financials. Do you actually have the budget for this? Are you going to be overcommitting and creating more financial pressure for yourself? Don't be that guy. I've been that guy more than once when I didn't have a budget and and I've regretted it every single time. Readiness leads ability in many cases. Most of the time we're ready before we are able and that's okay. We just have to be aware of that and make our decisions in alignment with that awareness. The other reason this is important is having a line item in your financial budget for coaching, just like marketing or payroll, means you've given some thought to what kind of return you can expect on that investment. That's what businesses do. They decide in advance what their spending plan is for the year. They have a budget, a projected budget, and then they follow that plan to the best of their abilities. Plan, do, evaluate, remember? So you're not going to plunk down $25,000 for a year-long coaching program if your budget for personal development is only $12,000 for the year. That's going to take you way over your budget. It also dispels that one-armed bandit mentality of, well, if I make this big investment, then I'll 10x or 100x my results this year. Bluntly, that rarely happens for folks unless they're in the very early stages of growth or they have some kind of quantum leap year. And that rarely, if ever, has anything to do with the coach. It's more about timing in the marketplace. Ask any manufacturer of a fad toy. Ty still makes Beanie Babies as I record this, but they are not the hot commodity that they once were when their sales were 10 times higher than normal. So know what you can afford to invest and stand your ground on that. Do some research and see what coaches are currently charging for the kind of support that you need. Create a line item in your business budget for coaching or professional development or whatever. Create a saving plan for it, like set aside the money. And most importantly, be clear on what contract terms would be a win for you. Every coach I know has different terms and conditions, different coaching packages, and different options available. They're not all going to be a good fit for you. For example, our pay for results incubator is a year long commitment that renews annually. Some people aren't ready for that long-term commitment, regardless of how much help they need in their business. So we invite people to take a smaller step by joining the on-demand incubator first. It's a month to month commitment. It doesn't have as much of the support and you can cancel any time. So if you've got a $300 annual budget for coaching, You can give us a try and get a feel for what it's like to work with me before making that bigger commitment. I've had several clients come up through the ranks, as it were, this way, starting in my monthly program and eventually joining me in the incubator or now the Star Power Mastermind. Hiring a business coach that will get you the guidance and results that you're looking for means you have to expect to work with someone that is charging similarly to or even more than you. 
And that doesn't mean that they don't have other price points to make them more accessible, but sometimes you get what you pay for. And you have to make sure that their pricing reflects their work and the results that you're looking to get. And I have to mention this, please, 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 for the love of all things holy, do your due diligence. Like I said at the beginning, if you just do an online search for a business coach, you're going to get tons of results back. Sift through those results, ask for referrals, interview them as much as you need to in order to know if they're actually a good fit for you, if they're actually the person behind those testimonials, if they're actually knowledgeable about the kind of support you need, because they can be knowledgeable in a lot of things, but if it's not what you need, then it's not a good fit for you. You need to be clear on what a win looks like for you. Otherwise, you're not ready to make an investment, regardless of what you can afford, which brings me to the third point. Number three, do you know why you want to hire a coach? What are you hoping to accomplish? Can you clearly articulate what you're hoping to accomplish to a potential coach? Now, I'm not saying you need to know exactly and have a detailed explanation on hands, but if you show up saying my business is broken and I need you to fix it, (laughs) don't be surprised if you don't get the kind of help that you're expecting. Your expectations, even if you don't have a specific vision for the results that you want, need to be clear. For example, when I work with my clients in the incubator, one of the first things we do is map out a 90-day goal and action steps to help us get there. Plan, do, evaluate. It is baked into everything that we do. So if that client wants to make a million dollars in 90 days, we have to look at how realistic that is based on the steps they need to take to get there. Do they already have an audience and an offer that could bring in that kind of revenue quickly? Then okay. Are there expenses in line? We have to look at that first before I can say, sure, I can help you do that. And a coach worth their salt will tell you if they don't think that's doable. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but the coach will say, oh, I'm sorry, before you can make a million dollars, you need to have an audience. Have you thought about where that audience is coming from? Now that's different than saying, oh, you need to grow your list first and here's a training program I put together to help you with that. Support like that can be useful, but if you're a client who wants to know how to grow an audience or build your list, then you tap into that. But the coach asks the better question, where will those people come from? It's not my job as a coach to tell you what to do. It's my job to help you see the roadblocks and get you thinking differently, asking better questions so that you can make more confident decisions. I mean, maybe you're brand new in business, you don't have an audience, but your best pal Beyonce is willing to give you a shout out on social. There's your audience right there. Who am I to judge that? That Oprah halo effect or Beyonce halo effect is a real thing if you're traveling in the right circles. So for me to say grow your list when you've already got an audience somewhere else, I'm cutting you off from an opportunity to reach what is really your goal, that million dollars that you wanted in 90 days or whatever your goal is. Let's not fixate here. Your coach is here to help you get what you say you want, a better golf swing, more proficient at crazy guitar licks, whatever. They may or may not have done specifically what you're trying to do, but they can help you see what you're missing to help you get there. And so if you can't articulate what you're trying to accomplish, they can't help you get there and you're not ready for a coach. Likewise, your expectations need to be in alignment with what that coach can offer. One coach may offer round-the-clock support, while another maintains business hours. One coach may offer unlimited sessions, while another says you have 90 minutes each month. 
I know an attorney who doesn't even do phone calls. Emails only. Don't try to call. They won't answer. If you leave a message, <laughs> they'll reply with an email. <laughs> and I don't handle client questions on social. Don't drop a coaching question in my Facebook messages or DM me on Instagram. I can't promise I'll always be in a place where I have access to that. And there's no paper trail for me if you send me social messages or texts. And I want all my clients to email me so that I have an archive of all of our conversations because you don't know how many times somebody's been like, I need a copy of my contract from three years ago. Or do you remember that email you sent me about this thing? I'm like, I don't remember, but I've got it in my email. So let me go pull it up for you. That's why I keep my paper trail. If you message me any other way, I can't promise I'll even see it, let alone get to it in a timely manner. And my clients know this, so they honor that agreement with me. If you're the kind of client who needs DM coaching support, then I'm not that person. You picked the wrong person. <laughs> but if you know that that's how you best operate, then it's important for you to find a coach that can accommodate that request. I had a client who did almost all of their communication through Marco Polo. It's a kind of video walkie-talkie app. And I was willing to give it a try, provided we had some boundaries around their expectations of a reply. The nature of that app is that you send a message and it pings the other person's phone, telling them that you've sent a message so that they can check it right away and reply, kind of like a walkie-talkie. That kind of instant reply expectation would not work for me. I can't always be available and I can't always jump when a client says jump. That's not sustainable for me, or I'm getting up in the middle of dinner to answer somebody's, uh-uh, nope, mm, not happening. So I offered that we could try Marco Polo and I would reply when it was convenient for me, typically within a business day, just like my emails. They agreed and that's the approach we ran with. Now they might send me three or four messages in a day, but I may not reply until the end of the day or the following morning. And we set that expectation up front so that they didn't get impatient or think I was ignoring them. And I didn't have to feel the pressure of, oh my God, she's just sent me three messages. I've got to reply to all of them now. Whoa. That allowed them to do a brain dump when they needed to. But I also got to honor my boundaries about personal time away from work. I wasn't jumping up during dinner to answer their Marco Polo messages, which in the past I might've done because I didn't articulate and honor my boundaries that way. And don't settle. I really want to drive this point home. If you know you need a person who can support you in a certain kind of way, then hold out for that. Different creative types need different kinds of support. Chaotics tend to need a little more handholding than linears, especially around tech stuff. Linears need less handholding and they thrive on clear instructions and processes that they can step through to make better decisions. Ask for and advocate for what will support you and find a coach who can bring that to you. Likewise, if you've got a lot of needs or demands for support, you also need to expect to invest more for that level of service. A great place to start is to develop a job description of sorts for your business coach. After all, you're hiring for this position. Like any position or role supporting your company, you need to have a clear idea of what you're hoping this job will accomplish. One of my clients came to me, and said, you know, I'm playing for a certain amount of income. I made about 60% of that last year. So my expectation is that your coaching will help me reach that additional 40%. Now, when someone wants you to almost double their revenue, you need to look hard at whether or not it's even possible, as well as what it would take to make it possible. Once we did that and could see the places to go to make that doable, it was clear to me that I could help them 
And we did all the negotiating and the paperwork that we were required to do to work together. I knew going in that this was the primary objective and anything else that came up during our coaching had to be measured against that. Hey, when we started working together, you said this income goal was first and foremost. When you compare that goal to this other thing you just sent to me, which one's more important? Where do you want to put your focus? Which one do you really want me to help you on? Minds change. And you need to be willing to not only articulate that and stand in that truth, but also be accountable to those decisions. Because there are consequences when we make decisions. I had an incubator client who started down one path when we were working together and about a year in decided to go in a completely different direction. And that would mean starting all over since most of the work that they had been doing wasn't going to be much help with this new direction. And we had several conversations about, are you sure? Is this the direction you really want to go? I see lots of issues with this, but I mean, are you okay with basically starting all over again and delaying your financial results for another year? I might not have done that, but that's not my job. I don't judge. That's not my job. My job as a coach is to hold the mirror up and show you what I see. These are the potential problems that I see if you choose to do this. We don't even have to agree all the time. <laughs> like, uh, I hear you and I'm still going to go this way. Okay, cool. If I can help you get you there, I'm going to do what I can to support you in getting where you want to go, even if you change your mind a few times. But that also means you can't be playing the blame game. Now, I'm putting this in here, and it's borderline dangerous for me to talk about this because this is a kind of complicated thing. There's a whole attitude in the online marketing and coaching world that says, if you put in the work, you'll get the results. And if you don't get the results, don't blame the coach because you probably didn't do the work or you didn't want it hard enough or whatever. That's systemic oppression in action. That's what most people think of when they hear, don't play the blame game and blame your failure on your coach. That's not what I'm talking about, though. Many times those kinds of programs aren't even coaching programs anyways. They're training or mentoring or consulting with some training thrown on the side, and they do a bad job of delivering the results that the client wanted in the first place. Those so-called coaches are copping out and saying, don't blame me, you just didn't work hard enough, when they're hiding the fact that they're ill-equipped to be coaching in the first place. So no, that's not what I mean. When I say don't play the blame game, I mean allocate responsibility appropriately to everyone involved. If the program you signed up for was crap, there's some responsibility there. If you dragged your heels and resisted showing up and doing the work, that's on you. If you kept waffling and never made a decision or kept changing your mind so that nothing ever got shipped, that's on you. If your coach never called you out for that behavior, though, that's on them. If you didn't get the support you contracted for, who is responsible for the failure to deliver on those things that you contracted for? That's what I'm talking about. But if you're the person who says, well, I posted a tweet on Twitter and I never made a dime. My Twitter coach sucks. Okay, that's playing the blame game. <laughs> that's passing off the responsibility for your results inappropriately. When things don't go according to plan, there's plenty of blame to go around. Some of it is yours. Some of it belongs to others. Don't play the blame game or you're just not ready to hire a coach. Coaches are notorious for taking you out of your comfort zone, for asking you to stretch or dig deep into places where you might be a little tender. A certain amount of your success comes from your willingness to do some of that harder work. And if you resist and fight and refuse to do that work, you're not going to get stellar results. So in that case, it's unfair to blame the coach entirely in that respect. 
Again, this is dangerous territory because this is nuance and nuance is always dangerous. There are bad coaches who play the blame game in the opposite direction, never taking responsibility for when things don't work with their clients. I've had several clients who fired me or left my programs without getting the results that they were hoping for. If the ROI isn't there, I don't blame them for ending things. Now that said, they also recognize their own roles in those results. One client had a barrage of health concerns that kept them from continuing to show up and do the work in their business. I can't control that. I have no control over their health. Another had to close their business and pivot to something completely different. In fact, one former client reached out the other day and said that even though they didn't hit their income goals while we were working together, that they got their most profitable results during the time that we were coaching together. And I'm comfortable saying that I don't get the big money win for every client because not every client comes to me for that in the first place. And sometimes as we're striving for the big money win, we find out that there's something else that's more important. Success looks different for every client. And I don't judge one person's definition of success as better than another. The only definition that matters is yours. And I can also celebrate that every client I've ever had is a better person and a better decision maker after having worked with me. Even if we go our separate ways and we never talk again, even if they choose to work with one of my competitors at some point in the future, I've had that happen. I know that they're making decisions that they believe are really going to support them to be, do, have, and experience more of what they want and less of what they don't. That's what I do. I help you make better decisions for yourself and your business. Things that really support you to be, do, have an experience, more of what you want and less of what you don't, whether or not you choose to continue working with me. I don't want to be anybody's crutch. Regardless of what your money is doing, if you can see things clearly, make confident decisions, and take the necessary actions based on those decisions, you're going to be more successful in everything you do in life and work, no matter what that work is. When you are vetting coaches, make sure that you know exactly what it is you want to accomplish in hiring a business coach. You don't have to have all the details, but if you don't go into your business coach search knowing exactly why you're looking for support and what you're wanting to accomplish, it can leave the coach with unclear expectations that they can never meet, leave you with little to no actual results, and maybe even have you hiring the wrong person in the first place. Coaches don't tell you what to do. That's a common misconception among people looking for a coach. If they're telling you what to do, then that was the wrong hire. That was a consultant. A coach gives ideas, possible outcomes, and asks good questions so that you can make the decisions. A good business coach teaches you how to make better decisions based on who you are and what works for you and your business, which Brings me to that final point. Number four, we've already talked about investing your money and having a budget, but you've also got to be willing to make an investment with other resources as well. Your time, effort, energy, attention, they all matter. A common misconception is that business coaches can swoop into your business, sprinkle fairy dust all over it, and make success appear in three days. Anyone who promises that, myself included, isn't being genuine with you. Do those kinds of results happen? Sure. But even the story I tell about helping a stranger make $15,000 after a 30-minute session isn't about me promising those kinds of results. It's about illustrating how quickly those results can happen for the right people in the right place at the right time. If I were to promise that, I would be crossing into the unethical realms of slimy, smarmy bro marketing. Plus, 
It smacks of using a coach as a cure-all or a crutch, neither of which is what a coach is really meant to be. So do you have time in your calendar to meet with a coach often enough to get the support that you need? Do you know how often you need to meet or for how long? Everybody needs something different. I have a client that needs frequent check-ins to feel like they're making progress. So our sessions are short, about 15 minutes, and we do them pretty frequently, almost weekly. Another client I have needs a longer session, 90 minutes or so to go really deep, but then they're able to go away for a month or two and get a lot done. Knowing how you work best is a key factor in making sure you're getting the most out of any coaching relationship. And I'm not talking about the coaching that comes with a training program. Very often you have little to no say about how that time is allocated. Like when I offer a coaching session as a bonus for a workshop I'm teaching, it's specifically meant to be used to help you make faster progress or go deeper on whatever it was I was teaching in the workshop. You can't come back and ask me to split it into three sessions or something like that. I just don't work that way. And most folks don't. Some coaches only offer one way of working, 45 minute sessions or hour long sessions or whatever. If that works for you, great. If not, then keep looking until you find someone that works for how you're wired to work. They are out there. Another thing to think about is whether you need spot coaching for a quick fix or if you need a longer term relationship. Some things you can get a quick take on and tweak some things and be good to go. Like that person I met with for 30 minutes to fix their business model. That was a very specific outcome. Look at what I've already got going on. Help me make some decisions about how to do this more profitably. I can do that in 30 minutes. I couldn't control whether or not he'd make 15 grand later that same day. That only happened because he already had an appointment on the books. So am I good at what I do? Hell yes. And knowing the fuller context of a sexy sounding story like that helps you see what's really possible. And you know me, I like context. Although one-off sessions can be powerful, the typical time spent working with a business coach is usually longer, between three to six months for short-term results and upwards of a few years for longer-term projects and goals. Just like any good strategy that sticks, the work you do with a business coach takes time to bake. The results also take time. Regardless, you need to be able to commit to the term, the length of time that it's going to take to achieve the results that you're looking for. You also have to be willing to invest your energy in preparing for your coaching sessions. If you got a homework assignment to complete before your next session, block time in your calendar to do it. If you've been asked to do anything to prepare yourself before a session, it's for a reason. If nothing else, it's so you can hit the ground running during the session. Coaching is a relationship more often than a transaction. That's why we spend so much time creating a safe space and building trust with our clients. You build a relationship with your coach while also working on your business. And like any relationship, that takes time too. For me, I know that the more I know about your situation, the better I can help you. Understanding that a fusion creative stay-at-home mom in rural Texas is facing different challenges than a multiply marginalized fusion creative business owner in California, or a chaotic cusp empty nester getting started with their first business, or the established linear best-selling author who lives in a big city and is connected to a lot of movers and shakers helps me know what I'm dealing with. Do they have some similarities? Sure. But it's the differences, the nuances, that help me do a better job of coaching them through their rough spots. Use this week's guide to help you get clear on whether or not you're ready to hire a coach. 
Then if you think you're ready, get that job description handled. Really think about how you'd like to have your coach support the growth of your company and more importantly, yourself. If you like what you've heard and you're thinking you want to work with me, well, I'd be honored to talk to you and learn more about you and your business and get that bigger picture. Head on over to creativefreedomshow.com and click the work with me button to learn more about how to do just that. Also, it would be silly of me to start wrapping things up without first saying thank you for investing your resources in listening to this point. See, return on all your resources, including the time you invested listening to today's episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, hit the bell, kiss the baby, whatever else the young kids are doing these days to let people know about our show and make sure that you are one of the first to know when our next episode is live because we're going to skip a week. This 17 episodes went by in a flash and we're going to take the week off to don the new season seven threads and update our look for spring. (laughs) And we'll be back the following week with a new season. And we kick things off with a conversation about doing business outside the box. I'm going to be busting four myths from the so-called gurus of online business. I sure hope we'll see you there. And until then, for more inspiration and education to help you end the hustle, unleash your star power, and own your dreams without selling your soul, come see what's shaking over at LisaRobinYoung.com. You know you want to.